0: Welcome to Finding God in Our Hearts. The following production, Pastoral Reflections with Monsignor Don Fisher, is a weekly program of deep spiritual insight on Scripture, revealing the indwelling presence of God. We appreciate your listenership. And if you find this program valuable, please subscribe and share with your friends. This program is funded with kind donations by listeners just like you. Make your donation at pastoralreflectionsinstitute.com.
1: Today we celebrate the 30th Sunday in Ordinary Time, the opening prayer. Almighty ever-living God, increase our faith, hope, and charity, and make us love what you command so that we may merit what you promise. To our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Old Testament, the book of Exodus, 22nd chapter, 20th to the 26th verse. Thus says the Lord, You shall not molest or oppress an alien, for you were once aliens yourselves in the land of Egypt. You shall not wrong any widow or orphan. If ever you wrong them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry. My wrath will flare up and I will kill you with a the sword, then your own wives will be widows, and your children orphans. If you lend money to one of your poor neighbors among my people, you shall not act like an extortioner toward him by demanding interest from him. If you take your neighbor's cloak as a pledge, you shall return it to him before sunset, for this cloak of his is the only covering he has for his body. What else has he to sleep in? If he cries out to me, I will hear him, for I am compassionate. The Word of the Lord. Responsorial Psalm. I love you, Lord, my strength. A reading from St. Paul's First Letter to the Thessalonians, 1st chapter, 5th verse through the 10th verse. Brothers and sisters, you know what sort of people we were among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, receiving the word in great affliction with joy from the Holy Spirit, so that you became a model for all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For from you the faith in God has gone forth, so that we have no need to say anything they themselves openly declare about us what sort of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to await his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the coming wrath. The Word of the Lord. Hallelujah verse. Whoever loves me and keeps my word, says the Lord, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him. Hallelujah. The Gospel for this 30th Sunday at an ordinary time is taken from St. Matthew, 22nd chapter, 34th to the 40th verse. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a scholar of the law, tested him by asking, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest in first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor... As yourself. The whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments
0: the Gospel of the Lord.
1: If you remember last Sunday's homily, it was a a story of the Sadducees who were considered to be the most influential and the most important of those who cared for the temple. They didn't believe in the resurrection of the body and so they had a dialogue with Jesus and Jesus was somehow able, with his wisdom and knowledge, to basically expose their error and so, he corrected the Sadducees, saying that God has used terms, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, proof that there was such a thing as life after death, something the Sadducees didn't believe in. Pharisees did. So maybe the Pharisees felt, wow, he's on our side. And so they came to him with a really sincere question. I don't think they were trying to trip him up like so the Sadducees did. But they just asked, you know, this is, and this was a question. It was very common to the Pharisees because the Pharisees were more engaged in interpreting the law, interpreting Scripture. And so basically they come and ask Jesus with a sincere heart, what is the heart of the law? Because that's what people had asked them over and over again. What's the heart of the law? Four, 600 rules. What, can you boil it down to something more easy to grasp? And the answer that was given in the past, but the answer Jesus gives, is all about love. That's, that's the heart of all these commandments, treating each other with love understanding that love is your nature and the thing that brings you the greatest joy and the greatest happiness is following your nature living as you were created to be we are made in the image and likeness of god it's a beautiful beautiful image and so it seems they were pleased but jesus also added something that and I'm not sure it was ever added before, but he also said, but you know, it's, when you say love God, I'm asking you to be a lover, not just to love God, but you have to love your neighbor and you have to love yourself. So it's not something you do, it's something you are. If you're a lover, you love everything. If you're a lover, if you say you're a lover and you love these things and hate those things, you're really not a lover. So jesus is setting the stage to say this is the heart of my message this is what i want to say to you and my father was not able to say it to you in the old testament which is really fascinating why not well listen to the first reading from the old testament and basically it's stating the way god dealt with the people of the old testament and they were much lower in terms of their level of consciousness as who they were. They were more, I would say, rooted in more their animal instincts. So the biggest thing about the people in the Old Testament at the time was that they, they were concerned very much with self-survival. They needed to get what they needed whether and they needed to mate so they would continue their race. But it was all basically self-centered stuff. And when you're dealing with self-centered people what's the best motive you can give them for doing something that would be more helpful to the people around you and that is a threat to say if you don't do what i'm asking you i'll kill you i'll take your your i'll 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 go against your most basic instinct and when you hear that 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 phrase in the scripture it just it just pops out because The God of the Old Testament is not different than the God of the New Testament, but the God of the Old Testament had a different audience and he had to say things to them that they would understand. And so when he says to them, if you mistreat each other, I'll kill you. I mean, I'll just come with a sword and chop your head off because I'm compassionate. Wait a minute, who is he compassionate to? The one that's abused. How does he feel about the abuser? Kill him. Now what is that supposed to mean? Is God mean? Is God vengeful in the old testament? And then he has a big awakening in the New Testament? No. He's working with his audience as they would understand. And one of the things he's basically saying to them, which is much deeper and much more powerful. The people of the Old Testament caught up in their self-centeredness had no idea how interconnected they were with everyone else around them. The wisdom behind that statement is if you hurt someone else, you hurt yourself. If you kill someone else, you kill something in yourself it's a wonderful wonderful wisdom that eventually is revealed in in jesus and it's this connection that we all have so what what changed the audience why when jesus came were there some people who could really accept him and and that was because there was a slow growth of consciousness in the old testament there was experience after experience that led them to say, I wonder why this isn't working, because every time I go to kill someone, they come back and kill me. Like they grew up a little bit, to say the least. And so finally, when Jesus comes, he is basically the law incarnate. He is the truth. So Jesus does his teaching not by explaining it so much, but by being someone. He was a, he was a lover and he had anger and resentment to those who were not, especially if they were in a place of authority, they were not teaching anything in the direction that the Old Testament had in seed form, but but they didn't let it grow. They didn't let it evolve and they were still you know locked into a justice system where condemnation was going to be the best, motive of fear, created a motive of fear to control people. They were controlling people. They weren't awakening people to their true essence. So how did it happen? What What happened? Well, it's called redemption. We could talk about how loaded the image of jesus on the cross is but there is something in it and we'll we've talked about that at other times we'll talk about it again there was something in that very act that awakened something in human beings about their nature that they realize it's surrendering to something that they don't understand and loving those that hurt us is the key to any kind of spiritual growth and change it's the key to peace it's the key to being able to live in community so we see, we see this so beautifully pro- producing a change in people when they see it and they understand it. And so listen to, the, to, to Paul, to the Thessalonians, because he's saying the same thing. He's saying, you know, I mean, let me say, he would say to them if he was going to amplify it, you know, Jesus came into the world and he was the word made flesh. He was love. He was not there to tell you how to act. He was witnessing what it's like to live as he lives. And he has such a powerful, unbelievable, effective um, effect on people. He, 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 his very being healed people and changed people and changed their mind and their, their understanding. And so Paul in Thessalonians is saying the same thing to the people of Thessalonia. They're saying, you say, look, you've been the model just like Jesus, and it's so beautiful to see it working because people are changed because of who you are, not because of what you're teaching. The early church was not a a case of everybody signing up for classes. It was a case of people watching people take care of each other in a way that was absolutely foreign to their, their their understanding of what human beings are for and and what they're really made for and how they really are designed to work. I mean, think of it. I mean, when you live out your life as God intended it, doesn't that make sense that it's going to work and you're going to find peace? But when you're living it out of an illusion of, say, separation and isolation and the idea that it's all about me and the more I can take and get from people, the better— You can see how that is going to to lead to a life of emptiness, frustration, depression, fear, shame, anger. It's, It's all there in a world where you're forcing yourself to be something you're not. And what a difference when you realize, I am, I am love. That's what I'm made of. That's what I'm made for. That's what who. That's my nature, and if I can just trust in God, awakening that in me and allow that to work, I can become a witness to the world. That's going to change the world. That's what he's saying. It's funny we have this tradition in our church of, of about the first sin, Adam's sin, and how we. When you, if that isn't understood correctly, and it's very misleading as it, as it is, even Pope Benedict XVI wrote a, a beautiful article about the dangers of misunderstanding that teaching because it almost implies that God created evil people and when tested, they showed up, they were all evil. We're not evil. We're not damaged by our humanity our humanity is a gift, and we're going to integrate that into our divinity. And, and the two are made for each other. And, and, and that, the misunderstanding of sin and his sinful nature is that you know, that's who we really are. So the only way to control that is by, by fear. I mean, by making people do it out of the same place they're in when they choose to hurt somebody. Self-centeredness playing up our self-centeredness. That's who we were made to be. That's what—that's the danger of, of, of the original sin. It's like we came into the world selfish. No, we didn't. We came into the world with a heart ready to grow into love. We, we still are born as infants into a family where we're meant to love. And if we learn from the family love is the essence, we're going to have this amazing capacity to evolve. But if you grow up in a family like most of us did, like I did, it was always based on obedience, reward, and punishment. I mean, that was in 1940. <laughs> and I don't know if it's changed a whole lot in most families, but it, I believe it has. I believe people now are much more sensitive to how you raise children and how important it is that they feel that they are loved and that they're valuable and that they have dignity and worth. And whenever you see a system that just denies that and works with power and control, and then you know you're not in a place where people are going to flourish. You're in a place that's going to draw them back into a dark place, a place of less consciousness, less awareness of who they are. So it's a beautiful, beautiful message in this set of readings, I believe. And to summarize it, it means that we are born by nature to be like our God. And God said, I am here to help you evolve into that. And you can't do it on your own. So when you think about all the things you're guilty of and all the things you've done wrong, I'm going to wipe all that away. It's called redemption. I'm going to die on a cross so all your sins are forgiven. Now, having your sins forgiven is something we don't really believe is as complete and total as God is saying it. But what he's really saying, not so much that you're off the hook completely and that you don't have to pay for anything you've done. No, it's like what he's saying is, no matter what you've done, I only respond to you by loving you. That's all. It's all I ever do. And all want, if you do that to your brothers and sisters, if when anybody does something wrong to you, just love them more, believe that this is not who they really are, trust in the goodness that's in them, and if you love it, it'll it'll be awakened. That's the genius of Christianity. And it's so simple, and it's so basic, and it can be done by anybody, and it's not tied to one religion. It's everywhere. It's the truth. So I pray that the world today especially needs to understand this compassion that God has placed in all of our hearts and the idea that we follow rules and laws that abuse and use people or hurt them and we think that that's good for some other reason like it helps helps the economy it helps me in my job or it helps them you know but if if it's if it's using people if it's abusing people it's wrong and it'll never bring peace so this timely timely message is look for people who love, look for people who have respect for one another, look for people who have this capacity to be more like the God that created them, and then celebrate that unity that we all have and feel one with each other as we witness and live this truth and I know the world will be changed. I know things will be different. I know that whatever separates and isolates us, and certainly we have a disease that is reminding us that there's something in us that if we don't, if we aren't careful with it, it's infectious and it can hurt and it can pull us down and it can rob us of energy and we can't, our senses go down. It's all there. Pay attention. Enter into what's happening. Learn from it because it's the teacher and it's always teaching the same thing that Jesus longed for, love.
0: Closing prayer,
1: Father, your gift is our heart, the part of us that is made for love and understanding and compassion and communion, union, oneness, surrender to what is, learning, growing. You put your heart in our hearts. Help us to be connected to that great source so that we know that the work you ask us to do is not based on our power, but on your power in us. We can love like you love. It's our inheritance. So bless us with an awareness of its effectiveness, love's effectiveness, and as well the power you give us to do it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: The music in our program was composed and produced by Ryan Harner for this show. Pastoral Reflections with Monsignor Don Fisher is funded with kind donations by listeners just like you. You can make a one-time or recurring tax-deductible donation on our website, pastoralreflectionsinstitute.com. We thank you for your listenership and your continued support. Without it, this program would not be possible. Pastoral Reflections with Monsignor Don Fisher is a production of the Pastoral Reflections Institute, a nonprofit in Dallas, Texas, dedicated to enriching your spiritual journey. Executive Producer, Monsignor Don Fisher. Produced by Kyle Cross and recorded in Pastoral Reflections Institute Studios. Copyright 2023.